welcome to the Simple Minds Podcast, where six mates unpack three topics over a new drink each week. Fuck it, just go with that, we'll fix it if it's... Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day you're listening to this podcast. This is the Simple Minds Podcast. I'm your host today, Justin Bourne. I am uh, founder and owner of uh, Blank Canvas Studios, a small 3D visualization company here based in Perth, Western Australia. Um, We also have a studio over in Sydney. Um, I am joined today by a gym owner which is a little bit different um he may elaborate when he introduces himself um entrepreneur as well and um the prophet himself jacob thanks justin yeah movement co uh real simple we just like to do things a little bit differently to traditional gyms using sort of body weight as the primary method of training um what's your slogan redefine possible Love it. We're also welcomed by a professional oh, photographer. What hat are you going to put on today? <laughs> <laughs> Owner of a very interesting business, Pewter Business, which was recently taken over. And a resident hippie, as some like to call him, uh, Travis Hado. Hey, hey, hey. Um, on top of that, we've got... Where do, I, where do we go here? Uh owner of a digital marketing agency, the man behind the Get Amplified event that took place this week, the investor entrepreneur, Matt Hannum. Hello. Thank magic, you. magic man. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to up the ante for any regular listeners out there of, uh, of the intro there. We're missing Michael Duncan, who is um, an owner of a small creative business, and Conrad Francis, the peacock himself, uh, who is a director and owner of financial financial business. Financial business. Um, uh, we don't have their presence today. Um, I'm going to quickly introduce a drink, touch on a bit of a topic that we're going to be talking about today. We're only going to go the one topic, which was inspired from this week. Uh, however, I've brought in, brought in, <laughs> I have brought to the podcast a Japanese gin, Roku Gin. Um, uh, no real story behind this other than I went to Bali a few months ago and we had a request. The kind of price of entry to Bali because we were invited by some friends was we had to all bring a bottle from Duty Free um, over and uh, we weren't really feeling anything. So I came across this gin and um, it's beautiful. So I'm not sure what you think. I'm becoming a bit of the, the gin guy, I think, on the podcast. Tonic and some cucumber. Yeah, a bit of tonic. Cheers, cucumber. Anyway. Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you all again. Thanks for that wildly professional yet slightly loose introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be rehearsed a little bit, but you know. I like it. No, it's good. I think um, we've had a few of those questions from time to time. What do you guys actually do? We haven't dug into it. So it's uh, it's always good, I guess, sometimes to let people know who we are. I think we'll we'll make that shorter and crisper next time. Um, Practice makes perfect. It's got to be in like a real American accent as well. Welcome (laughs) (laughs) to the Simple Minds Podcast. So on that note, um, I did touch on that. Uh, 
Matt, um, Magic Matt hosted a Perth-based event called Get Amplified, um, Perth's Greatest Digital Marketing Summit. It was a, a great event, a massive feat. Well done. Congrats, Matt. Thank you. Well um, Good job, man. I was, uh, you could say, lucky to experience some of the behind the scenes that went into that. And I know a lot of effort um, was pulled off and the team did a, yeah, a huge... Um, it's a huge feat. So well done. Some awesome feedback. And part of that, um, you managed to have one of the keynotes, Duncan J. Wardle, who is the former vice president of innovation and creativity from Disney. Uh, he was the keynote of, of the event. And then we were, I believe, um, Matt, Michael, who's not here, and I had the privilege of spending a one-day workshop with him the following day on the Wednesday. Um, and so the today's kind of theme for this podcast is really talking about uh, creative innovation and creativity. I wanted to focus more on, on creativity. Um, uh, we have touched on the podcast previously, um, Hato in particular, that we're all creative. So what I want us to, what we're going to be talking about is really talking through, are we all really creative? Because everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm not that creative. I do this, I crunch numbers and all of that. But is that really the case? Um, how do you create some space to be creative? What does it mean? Um, some of the things that Duncan touched on and a couple of the mindsets and debunk and, and try to inspire you to maybe go out and create something, do something, and just look at creativity in a different light than how everyone else really defines it. So um, what I want to start off with is probably the simple question uh well, before I go to the question, sorry, what I'll do, because if Conrad was here, he would want the definition of creativity. That's so what I, I'm just reading now. <laughs> I looked up the definition of creativity. The Google um, dictionary response is the use of imagination or original ideas to create something, inventiveness. So that's the uh, technical definition. Um, I think a lot of the time these days we have a misconception of creative or creativity um, as being some art form, um, some form of, uh, I, I guess, almost almost visual or tangible form, whether it's um, making, say, like, I don't know, pottery, art itself, photography, videography, graphic design, 3D design, um, anything that's design, um, I think we just typically angle that to be creativity or, or creative, but that's not really the case, um, particularly by the definition as well. It's really using any form of imagination or original ideas to, to create something or invent something. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I want to open up the floor are we all all creative and and what are your what's your take on do you believe that's a misconception and and how do you define or view creativity before i get to that i'm just going to add a couple of definitions one was actually from duncan himself um at the event on tuesday he said creativity is the habit of continually doing things in a new way to make a positive difference in our working life um and a second one i got is from a guy called don't know his last name, but he did a famous TED talk on the way school and education stifles creativity. Um, he says it's the process of having original ideas that have value. But I really want to touch on the one Duncan said. Um, it's just around doing things in new ways to have a positive difference in your work life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an artistic person. Like we hear the term creative accounting a lot where 
people who are particularly gifted. Already talk to your account. Jago gets called from the ATO <laughs> in like three weeks' time. Yeah. Audited. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Where people who this, have become. By the way, his ABN is 68143. <laughs> Where people have become particularly good at the craft of accounting and numbers and have therefore found, I guess, innovative and creative ways to, within the realm and the rules of what's legally allowed, they found ways to get additional um, benefits for their clients. Um, For me personally, I, I believe that everyone is creative. At the very least, all people are born creative. There's a Picasso quote I've got here where he says, all children are born creative, we simply grow out of it. I think at the very least, when you watch kids when they're born, when they're young, they draw pictures, they're creative naturally. Um, And then we've all got that ability within us. You just need to find an outlet for it. Um, For me personally, there's a lot of um, stagnant sort of work in the kind of fitness industry at the moment. But for me, being able to find novel new ways to to train people to think of exercises myself. There's a lot of creative creativity that I'm required to, I'm not required to, but I enjoy applying to what I do. Um, and I don't think there's any field out there that is exempt from that. Creativity is kind of like, it's basically breaking a rule of some sort, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what that, that rule could be anything in it, whether we're talking about gravity and we're trying to make, uh, you know, form a solution to a problem that we've got. Or, or as you say, I think we often say, unless we're in a creative space where we're, we're an artist or um, something along, photographer or something along those lines. I mean, even photographer, I mean, Trav, how many photographers do you know that wouldn't say they were creative? They wouldn't really call themselves creative. Yeah, plenty. Yeah, so I think it's it's weird. Like, I, I've just the thought that came to my mind is is two guys trying to lift a couch into a, you know, out of their removal truck into someone's house or apartment. And how often do you see someone's awkwardly structuring some situation where they can get a couch up onto the second floor or something like that? I mean, that's creative too. And we do, but we've, we've had to break a rule. Like, the rule is this is the size of the door. Fine, that's not going to work. We need to adjust that. Or the rule is gravity's a problem or the rule is you know we need to change things up in a you know in a gym or in a different marketplace to do something differently i think we we don't like to brand we often majority of us don't brand ourselves as creative but we we truly do creative things almost every day certainly looking at um a situation or something tangible in a different light isn't it it's not uh, like you look at uh digital marketing you know, a lot of your digital marketing uh, personnel are very creative in what they're doing and what they're thinking. You know, same with your, um, Jacob, your um, trainers. You know, the way they structure a um, training session, you know, you can get creative with that and the way that they captivate your, you know, seven-year-olds for a whole hour. Um, that's just another form of creativity. So I think, uh, Justin, you're, you're right when people... Uh, put it as a tangible thing too often and then they kind of pigeonhole themselves pigeonhole themselves for not being creative and i think that's very unfair on a lot of people because then it stifles your creative and it's like uh one thing in the keynote that i took out of was the language part of it and uh he mm. duncan did an exercise and he brought someone up and he goes uh we're gonna um basically 
think of an idea and we're going to try to make it bigger. But every time Justin, you're going to say, you know, um, no, because, you know, and, and, you know, Duncan would say, oh, we're going to create this party on the Death Star and we're going to have hula hooping ladies and, and, um, yeah, you no, know, because that's a silly idea or, or I don't like Star Wars. Yeah. So, you, you know, I'll start again and go, oh, all right, well, let's uh, do it at the gym down the road and we can have um, topless waitresses. And Justin would go, <laughs> yes, and <laughs> no, he'd be going, no, because I'm, I'm gay. Um, I don't like topless waitresses. And uh, anyway, so the, the idea would never evolve and it would always stay yeah, to a, a minimal level. But uh, by cho- choosing your language and going, uh, yes, and uh, the idea and the creativity of the idea um, exponentially uh, grew with every person that said. So, you know, I said, uh, let's uh, have a party on the Death Star with some hula hooping, you know, activities. And, and then Justin would go, yes, and we could all dress up like Star Wars characters. Oh, my God. And then we could have, like, these big bobbleheads and, like, uh, they could have jets on the side of them and we could we could fly around the room. Yeah, and then we could, like, bring in, um, I don't know, anything. <laughs> but... Yeah, the idea is that, you know, then the idea becomes both our idea um, as well. Like, uh, I think you're 100% right, Travin. What was interesting is, well, Duncan talked about two mindsets. So he talked about um, expansionist thinking and reductive thinking. Um, So essentially expansionist thinking is um, pretty much the exercise we just did, which is yes and, and you just make the idea grow and grow and grow until it becomes as big as it can become. Um, And he likened that kids have a lot of expansionist style thinking and us as adults have restrictions no because that's too expensive no because it's a silly idea no because it's going to hurt my ego no it's because other people are going to care what i what they think about me and that's that reductive kind of thinking which is making the idea smaller smaller and smaller however what was interesting is that he did um, i should add though he acknowledges that both forms of thinking are needed to be essentially well more probably more innovative than necessarily creative um and that you need a balance of of both um well it wasn't quite a balance he was it was a bit of a split um but i think the point is as well is ideas they need to be nurtured like every idea it starts out small and it needs to be nurtured like a you know a little you know, a little baby or a little seed or, or whatever every idea and, and in the early ideas are fragile um and i think prior to the podcast we were just kind of um warming up a little bit to creativity and matt you touched on um how you know in in a group environment is trying to allow for the individual personality types to have an opportunity because the extroverts uh, typically will their ideas are the ones that always get listened to because they're more, you know, out there where the introverts are a bit more shy. And so the moment an introvert's idea might be shut down over an extrovert, they never contribute ever again. Um, and so it's kind of like that first idea is always fragile and you've got to nurture it through, I guess, uh, the, the correct language, um, particularly in a group uh, environment or a work environment. Yeah, and it's um, the thing that really stood out to me is that we often – the first thing we do when we have that idea in a fragile state is we go to someone and we want their buy-in for the idea, but we ask them, and this is where the language is important, we ask them what do they think. But in that question, we're actually asking them to respond in that sort of reductive type 
methodology because all the way we ask them, we're asking them to critique it. We're not asking Past them to judgment. add value. We're not asking them what what else could we do. We're asking them to cut us down purely in the choice of our language. We sort of turn it into a binary yes or no, not like a bit of a gray area in between. And like for ideas to grow and develop and get better, you kind of need to go, this is, like Justin said, a seed that, that can be grown. This isn't the finished product. This isn't the tree in the forest. Um, and I think the reductive language passes judgment and there's a good place for that. Like I remember when I was um, in the very early stages of a engineering career, there was always this sort of playfulness between the architects and the engineers where the architects get the initial brief to go, what do we want this building to look like? And then they kind of go, well, let's give it to the engineers who are like the realistic guys who will kind of make it happen. But you kind of need a bit of both. If you say, oh, hey, we're going to have this building that's going to levitate and be made of carbon fiber, the engineers go, hey, yeah, but that's going to cost this much and this is not possible for this, this and this. You kind of need that combination where you get all the ideas out first and then you go through a process of filtering. You don't want to shut down the ideas immediately because it's not usually that first idea, but that second, third, fourth iteration of it, that's where you come to the, the real gold. And if you're too judgmental early on and if you shut down people's ideas, they'll often kind of regress a little bit and they won't be willing to offer up that real gold that that's hidden there because they kind of go, my last idea got judged. I don't feel confident putting this out there anymore. Yeah, and I think oh, I just almost said it there. The other the other kind of almost swear word was the yes or, where it was like when you become a yes or -er. Yes, but. Yeah. Yes or, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, nice idea. Yeah, Let's yes just or. do this this yeah. way. Um, and what was interesting is like with Duncan was that he would, he would, through his frameworks and through his kind of thinking, was encourage the ideas to grow. Um, and even though it might not be the best idea, you still have to encourage it to, to grow because that could also form something else. Like, um, and that's where and the other interesting thing was through the exercise with the one day workshop that we did with him is watching your biases. Your idea is always the best idea, always, no matter what. And like, what was really interesting is that, um, like Duncan acknowledged that I guess just humans, we just have these behaviors and it's how do you kind of create these almost short circuits to bypass our innate behaviors. Like we're all of us, no matter how self-aware we are, our idea is still the best idea. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My idea is the best idea. You know, I certainly thought so on the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Likewise. No, but it's very true though. I a hundred percent agree with you. And you know, it's how do you circumvent um, or sort short circuit, short circuit, um, the the innate behaviors or natures of of um humans but you know if you ever notice yourself like when someone says let's do this and you're like yes yeah yes or or yeah but yeah but like well, we'll just maybe tweak that or tweak this um and it's that language thing that um you know you have to be really um mindful of and 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 what even on the language thing like we don't help ourselves like in my even in my studio the, the guys who do the actual 3D, they're called creatives. And yet the, you know, the individuals who deal with the clients and project management, they're called the client services team. And then they use the language of like, oh, I'm not creative or speak to the creatives. And it's a, it's not it's not true. In and truth, but I was going to raise that because that's like, a language certainly thing, in, hey? in our business as well and being digital marketers and constantly creating posts. So common in agencies. Campaigns yeah. and all the rest of it. 
truthfully, most of the time, we're not really being creative as such. Like, we're following commercial processes, effectively. The majority of the time, as are your creatives, I'm yeah, sure. They're more technicians. They, they're more honest. technicians. Like, so there is elements of creativity, but that actually comes all the way through. Like you say, I actually believe a lot of the creativity comes in in some of that client communication, etc. It's the creative's job. who They're actually just being the technicians delivering on what's sort of been suggested or told at times. But everyone is creative. But there is that definite division between, oh, I'm not the creative, you're the creative. But everyone is involved in the process. And it's that language thing. And, and you know, even like Duncan shared that Disney, um, you know, one of the keynote components was like um, apparently, you know, all the theme parks, one of his main areas was the theme parks, was um, they're all cast members, they're not employees. So no one's an employee. They're all a cast member, whether you're, you know, the um, – the guy on the front desk or you're the sweeper. You're not a sweeper. I can't remember what he called it, like a cleaner, but they had a, a name. Quite janitor, a, something like that. Or, yeah. yeah, it was more creative than Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. if you're a janitor, like, um, yeah. you know, you were the custodian of the street or something. Yeah. Um, and and so there was this really this switching up the, the, the language um, is really fascinating. And the, the people that come through the doors are not... You know, clients, they're guests. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not a... They're not uh, customers. Customer. Yeah, they're a guest. And uh, the, you know, your cast members are on show for 11 hours or nine hours or whatever like that. So, yeah, definitely the language part, I think, plays a big part in... Yeah. And because, like, the other thing we talked about is... So I'll ask this question just for the, the purpose of where do your... Where do your best idea... Where do your best ideas normally come from? Where and when? For me, probably number one is, and it's a bit cliche, is the shower. <laughs> and number two is when I'm in the car with no music on. It's often the places where I have no distractions and I'm on kind of autopilot. So when you're in the shower, for example, you're not there on your phone, you're not distracted, you've got a pretty simple task of just kind of cleaning yourself. <laughs> simple task. <laughs> um, <laughs> When you're in the car, you're driving, so you have that like autopilot functioning on driving and like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a simple task. You are an engineer at heart, aren't you? Just get this simple task out of the way, have a quick shower. Creative accountant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and similarly in the car, like, there's no opportunity there for me to like be distracted and grab my phone. Whereas like if I'm at work and I'm sitting down in front of my computer, I'll just grab my phone. I'll get distracted. I'll write that down. I'll talk to that person. Whereas I find if I go for a run, well, back in the day, I haven't run more than hundred meters in years, but the, <laughs> the simple task, simple task. So the shower is a hard task. Yeah. Hey, what about yourself? Uh, showers definitely. Uh, driving for sure but I don't know it's just everywhere I, I'm quite lucky because I get to be creative a lot for my job and work and you know a lot of the time I'm shooting so I'm genuinely creating uh, images a lot of the time so uh, they come to me all the time so sometimes I'm actually shooting and thinking about other stuff and I get some pretty cool ideas a yeah, question uh, on that one you have sort of two fairly distinct roles one as a um, photographer and one as the owner of like the pewter business yeah i know duncan spoke about the workplace being the worst place for ideas and i I can agree to that to in a sense you've got 
what I imagine is probably a fairly fixed workplace in the pewter business where you've got a physical location you go to, whereas you're very much always on the road in different locations, different environments with the photography business. Does that therefore spark more ideas because you're constantly in a new and engaging environment versus something that's a bit more fixed? Absolutely. I think a lot of my better ideas for pewter come when I'm actually photographing. Yeah. You know, so tonight I'm going to photograph a light festival um, and it's quite relaxing. I just get to go to photograph people looking at light installations. Yeah. Um, so I will probably have a fair few ideas come along, you know, in that sort of process for either photography or pewter. Yep. So, yeah, it does. I think change of scenery certainly helps me because I, yeah, I see a lot of different places and a lot of, a lot of different, uh, uh, What's the word? Environment. Environment. Okay. So that's yeah. a huge Settings. factor, I think. The, the setting and environment it's, is, it's is massive. Finally, so yeah, your situation's quite unique then, Halo. I mean, because you go to set like obviously sites and, um, and there's a lot of variety there. Because I look at, I think about my office and um, I mean, we all like we pretty much live here um, for the most part, spend more time here than we do at home. Um, and I was thinking like some of the best ideas, particularly higher level helicopter ideas, i.e. Um, us changing the whole way how we deliver our service. That only came about on travel, um, you know, flying on a plane. I do a lot of thinking on, on the plane, jotting and sketching out ideas. That would have never have happened amongst the day to day or even on a weekend or during the, um, the normal week in downtime. Um, if I look at the most biggest kind of almost organizational shifts, they've all come on these kind of, um, uh, I guess, yeah, travel moments. When you're physically and mentally outside of the day-to-day grind. Yeah. You know, like, because you are kind of micro-creative, I guess, in some way, but, you know, like when we're working on a little project and you've got this little situation or challenge, and I guess which is something I want to talk about a little bit around creativity um, later, which is like you've got these constraints um, and you find these creative ways to solve the the situation. Um, But when it comes to some of the higher level thinking, um, yeah, they never come when you try to force them to come. Um, (laughs) You you can't force force it. You just can't. You got to write for the right moment. If she says no, it's no. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob, but you um, you laughed, so I couldn't hold it. In. <laughs> I, I will always like, laugh. Was... It's, a, it's a it's a simple laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a simple creature. Uh... Matt, your where do you are? Where are you most creative? <laughs> yeah, probably water. <laughs> it's the same thing. So shower. Um, any any water experience, I really enjoy. Love being coastal like anytime i'm around sort of beach uh, i'll make an effort to go to places like rivers and things like that to stop and pause uh that that's definitely a calming aspect for me uh planes uh, i love a good plane ride where i can if i'm trying hard to work it doesn't work that way but if i'm allowing myself to try and think and get some stuff down on paper then it's a really nice experience to be at least 10,000 metres away from wherever something might be wanting to bother me. Uh, although now the Wi-Fi seems to be getting pretty good up there. So <laughs> it's a bit hard to, to stay away. But, yeah, it's definitely not not in the office. Um, it's For me, I think one of the biggest challenges is when you're in one of those environments 
And it's easy if you're heading off to a river or a lake and you grab your notepad. But when you're in the car or you, you know, when something inspires you is to just collect that, that information down and not forget it. I think is a really important um, and, and key thing. Sometimes I do that well, sometimes I don't. And, you know, how many times are you sitting there kicking yourself going, oh, what was that thing I meant to write down when I, I was driving home or what that was? At times I've had little post-it notes on my, you know, on my steering wheel even where I'm just like trying to quickly like scribble something down. What's the story about the penny drops? I can't remember uh, who exactly it was. I think it was Thomas Edison he Basically. used and whether it's a true story or not doesn't matter because the, the the point of it's great where, yeah, what, what was it he put, he would explain that um, the, the the saying came from Thomas Edison would put the penny between his knees when he would sit on his um, his chair and then um, as he fell asleep, his muscles would relax and then the penny would drop in a tin and wake him up and whatever he was thinking in that moment or dreaming of, yeah, write it down, draw it, um, whatever it was and... You know, he goes on to say, I don't know the exact number, but he had one of the most, you know, the most number of inventions in his lifetime than anyone else and never been matched. Um, but I'm guilty of not writing enough down. And Duncan didn't mention that quite a few times, even in our workshop around writing down these. They won't mean a lot to you at the time, he, he mentioned, but you should write as much of what you can in those kind of relaxed moments as possible, these clues even that, like how many times have you got a great idea when you – actually, the other one for me is running. So I, exercising of sorts, it's, you relax a bit down and you think, but I should do how many that. times have you got a great idea and you're like, you know what, that idea is so good, so good, there's no way I'll forget that. <laughs> and then you and then you get two hours later and you're like, what was that idea? It was going to transform everything. How can I not think of that idea? Well, it sounded better before. Yeah. This sounds like shit now. <laughs> Do we need like waterproof markers in our shower to like write it up on the like? So there's a there's a hack which I've got. I bought it, but I haven't put it in there yet. I bought a diving um, tablet, yeah, like whatever they whatever they call it, and then it just has a um, graphite pencil. And yeah. I bought it to put it in the shower, but I bought it, but I haven't put it in there yet because yeah, what a great idea! That and there's also. I believe there's been waterproof post-it notes invented as yep. well, and you can stick them like on your shower and write on top. Samsung phones are waterproof, aren't they? All that too. But I think you might lose the um, if you're just answering yeah. messages in, yeah. the, in yeah. the shower. Perusing. You might not achieve Perusing. the simple task. Oh. Yeah. No simple task. <laughs> no simple it. task in there. Hops out of the shower. And, oh, did I clean myself? I <laughs> know. Yeah. Oh, I got distracted on Instagram. So. Uh, the other thing was, which was interesting for me out of the, the two sessions is um, so you can't necessarily, that might be a strong def, um, statement, but it's difficult to be creative in moments of stress or, or, or day-to-day. So you can't force it. Yeah. What, do you, what would you do, well, A, if you're telling yourself you're not, not creative, what could you do? And then um, B, how do you... I guess, create the moments or the behaviors to allow that to happen because I think it's part of our nature and it's suppressed, I believe, by a lot of people because of the stories they tell themselves. Well, I think one of the like antidotes or one of the opposites of creativity is just everything is the same. If you have r- too much routine, if you drive the same way to work, you go to the same seat, you do the same hours, if you constantly got routine mm. 
and you've got all these preconceived ideas about how things are done, that's when you're going to have the least ability to be creative. And I think a lot of people... Auto, removing autopilot. Yeah, I'm a note I made from Tuesday, as you said, a lot of people like these giant companies have said this is the way things have always been done. It often takes a new, like a Netflix to come onto the scene to go, no, we don't have to physically deliver or have someone borrow media, for example. It can be done digitally. It, it takes you, you kind of need to strip back that this is the way things have always been done and that this is the way things are in order to kind of see new ways of doing things. So have you done anything differently this even this week or thought about doing anything differently to spark something? One thing I tried um, uh, yesterday was, was he said, take a different route to work. Just once a month, he said. So when you're driving, don't just go the same way. So I just went, cool, I'm going like, to deviate off path here and, and see a slightly different suburb. Um, and I had a pretty... <laughs> Pretty simple day yesterday, but <laughs> simple day, great idea. But it was just starting to begin that process of adding novelty and adding um, kind of new environments to, to the. How did you feel? It felt good. I felt like when you've got the time as well. If you're late, then obviously just go the the past. But you're always late, so that's, that's fair. <laughs> did you take a shortcut or a long? You go the longer way. If it's a shortcut, I'd do that every day. Well, I was just checking. <laughs> <laughs> you might just enjoy the commute. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when I've got time, I, I will take a bit longer and go the long way because I'm listening to a podcast or I'm having, like, I'm in thought. Um, and I quite often don't like to have fixed requirements for my time because I, that's when I find I'm most creative is when I don't, when you, when you know you've got an appointment in one hour, you're much less likely to sit down and, relax and let thoughts come um whereas when you've got more space in your schedule when you've got space in your day-to-day -day life um i think that's one one thing if people don't think they're particularly creative they can just take a step back and give themselves the space to un uncover it i think it's also um environment which is a major part of it but also um collaborative uh when you get together and you allow yourself to bounce stuff off one another with no judgment, um, you really take it to the next level, uh, regardless of whether you are, you are at work or not. You know, I, don't, I think you, you can get to one level at work because it's sort of in that confined space that you, you're, not, you're not creating an environment for it. Um, but, yeah, it certainly does allow you to... Yeah, because I say something, it jogs your thoughts and then you say something and then it takes me off a whole nother tangent and it just it just motivates you to to think outside and challenge your you know, your biases as normal. Yep. Um, so that yeah, that's probably my suggestion is to challenge your environment but also challenge the people around you. And how do we think people can like we've all agreed that the workplace is probably not the best place for creativity, however, we're all in positions where we've got employees that are, I guess, expected to be in the workplace 40 hours a week plus as creatives, as copywriters, as on a production line, for example, um, or as trainers in my example. <clears throat> Do we need to take them out of the physical environment of that workplace or are there ways we can 
integrate, give them the space or give them novelty that's going to help bring creativity into that. Was well, this why Google, their office and, and their premises, you know, very fluid? And like they, campuses, they have, yeah. They have the ability to sort of work at home. They have been bags everywhere and sort of that creating that environment. Is that sort of what you're think, getting at? Or? Yeah, and Apple's done it recently with their new uh, spaceship, I think they call it, a giant kind of halo-shaped office as they've cr- built it and designed it in a way that they say creates sort of spontaneous moments of creativity where rather than have a water, like the water cooler, the bathrooms, they're all built and designed in ways where people need to come together and intersect and have conversations. Um, The office is a sort of open plan in ways that people have to get up and walk and meet. And they've put a lot of theory and thought and design into like, yes, people have to be at the workplace, but that doesn't mean they can't be creative. And especially at Apple, one of the probably foremost creative businesses in the world, um, They've not just gone, okay, we're going to have all these cubicles and we're going to make people into robots. We're going to hack this and design the facility and the campus, as they call it, in as many different ways as possible to facilitate creativity. Um, I, I think it's you definitely do, but it's it's. I think a lot of people get hooked up on the the visual environment as well. It's it's got to be energetically great, and you've got to have the right culture that encourages it. Like one of the things that we took out of the workshop was again allowing a space for introverts to speak their mind as well as extroverts, um, and and trying to create this space environment. And 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 Duncan has a set of tools essentially to encourage these things. So I think it's a. It's a, a combination of both, but I think what you touched on is probably the most profound, which is just break the habits. Um, and a recent example that comes to mind, which is is my my wife who works in engineering role managing costs and numbers, so a lot of spreadsheets. And recently she would call herself not creative and she went and did a, um, a floral making like free course at their work that they put on. And this is probably something which is a bit easier for the larger corporates, which was like doing this kind of like workshop. Um, and what she created, which was, um, you know, just a bunch of flowers was amazing. And um, it was like, wow, you, you know, she's like, I'm not creative. And this thing was like, it looked like something you buy in the in the shop. And I think that that disengage or creating that habit or, or something as well. And um, Duncan talked on about, I guess, innovation feels awkward and, and it feels awkward. Um, you know, if you're doing something that doesn't, that feels a bit uncomfortable, then you're doing the, the right thing. But I guess coming back to your question, it's like we would say our office is like, what, 50-50 kind of like, I don't know, funky like we you know get the music on um we've got some bright colored walls and um a lot of activity going on which is a bit different to a lot of other offices um but it's not just the visual appeal it's also the energetic feel duncan was big on energy you could tell um that was a big thing uh, for him and music was a big key as well which was really interesting that's something I've made a note of here is based on the um, the point you were talking about with your partner is that skill acquisition and sort of mental stimulation is also a huge one. If you're in a position, like you said, where you're in a, in a, a numbers-based or like a very analytical-based process-driven 
job than something like learning to dance, learning a new language, picking up a new sport, like stimulating yourself physically and mentally can kind of create that burst of like new connections in the brain, new like avenues for creativity that will then translate rather than trying to deliberately find like if you're I don't want to use the example necessarily again, but like if you're an accountant, for example, and you've always done things a certain way, rather than thinking, how can I be more creative in this? Perhaps it might be drawing some sketches, picking up a new language, kind of finding ways to stimulate self mentally. And then you'll have that discovery. Like you've got to kind of get, take a step back to take that step forward again. And the interesting thing, I had a conversation recently with um, a guy called Sean D'Souza, who's amongst other things, a cartoonist, a podcaster, consultant, done a lot of, a lot of great things, but, he, he, all his research, um, he believes that talent is only about 5% of the equation. And, and especially in this creative, creative environment, creativity space, we all just sort of think, oh, I can't do this. I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't anything. But we've never tried. And he did this great exercise with a room full of us where we, he drew this picture of a whale and he said, who can draw a whale? And, and no one can draw a whale. Like, well, most people didn't think they could draw a whale. And he quickly broke it down into a handful of steps for us to just effectively draw this quite reasonable looking cartoon whale. And he said, it's 5%. You just need a good teacher. You just need the environment. You need to stop thinking that you can't do these things. You've just, like anything, you've got to put some practice in and creativity is no different. I think that's the, the, key, the, the thing that you said there though, is that you can do it. Everyone I think gets conditioned in thinking they're not creative. Um, they do these numbers based roles or these, um, kind of admin, administrative or clerical type um, activities. And it's like, no, you are creative. Everyone is creative. Um, just because you're, you know, on the phone all day or you're a salesperson or you're uh, um, punching numbers or, uh, you know, just doing these other things. I mean, like you said, Matt, everyone is, is, is capable of it. And it's finding those activities, going home and sitting on the couch and watching Netflix and then going back to work the next day is not going to stifle any creativity. Yeah, that's true. And I think, what did I think, Daniel? What did he say? No stimulus in, no stimulus out. Yeah, it comes back to that growth mindset versus fixed mindset approach. Is that if you perceive creativity to be something that's an inbuilt trait rather than a skill set that can be developed, then of course you're not going to be creative because you're not open to it and you're not yeah. inviting in that ability to to develop it. Anyone can, and if you go, oh, I can't sing or dance or or draw or write, then you're perhaps overlooking the broader aspects of creativity. If you're uh, an assistant or like a, a, a um, receptionist, for example, sure, you've got a, a list of kind of process-driven tasks to do each day. However, the creativity in that and coming back to that original quote I had from Duncan, he said, just the habit of continually doing things in new ways to make a positive difference in your working life. So if you're a receptionist, for example, you might just go, oh, hey, I'm going to write these down on a sticky note instead of putting into here, or I'm going to like changing processes and iterating is a creative process. It doesn't have to be inventing the wheel. It could just be making the wheel round instead of square. It could be making the wheel with spokes instead of a fixed axle. Like all these little iterative improvements is where is just as creative as developing or inventing the wheel in the first place. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, Hato, um, from your perspective, 
I want to change lanes a little bit. I think at the end of the day, everyone is creative and we've got to tap into that. But let's say the people, for example, young photographers or, or, or young individuals who are pursuing, say, all right, quotation, creative field or yep. designers field, yep. what would you say to the, the youngsters and, the, and the, the early individuals out there? Learn the rules and then break them. That's the one thing I was taught very early on photographically was to uh, learn the, the composition rules, you know, rule of thirds, having to have your subject on the, you know, if you do a, uh, like a noughts and crosses box, you should have your subject on the left on the noughts and crosses or on the right um, on the intersections. Um, learn them and then break them. So because with that breaking of the rule uh, becomes that creativity uh, becomes that that flair, and then you you definitely learn how to, you know, to I'll use photography as an example. Uh, you learn what to do, what's good, what's not, uh, what works for you. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's quite simple, but that's probably my piece of advice. Um, you know, you learn what you're supposed to do in the you know figurative terms, and then sort of think outside the box and go, well, how do I break them and break them. Uh, in the right way for me yeah that's super interesting because one of the things that i find um from the creative space uh, i guess or the, the designer space is that is almost echoes off that and if i could build off that is is acknowledge the rules and work to them and i find that when you put the guide the guardrails up particularly when you're learning that's what applies the pressure and the constraints to allow you to be creative, to create the kind of the nugget out of it. You know, it's kind of like the the whole philosophy of a diamond is not created unless it's under pressure. So you've got to create these guidelines and these constraints because a lot of people who are like, I think who be like, oh, it's creative. We don't need rules and I want to be woo woo and like fuck the rules and all this other stuff. But they go off on rabbit holes and tangents that, that don't, do anything and it's so you know particularly in the early years and they end up not really being able to produce anything of any significant value or of i guess which um, a lot of the definitions or um that you spoke about jacob was around value and, and kind of contribution um and i think understand the principles and the philosophies first and because i see a lot of people who have got the talent and it's funny that you say that matt the talent and they get ahead of themselves because they're good but then they kind of stumble um, um, stumble on themselves because they don't understand the fundamentals and they achieve some certain levels of success um, and then it's they struggle to then shoot through the rest because they don't understand the um, the fund- fundamentals, which might be a topic for another day, but sometimes like talent's not well, a blessing sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And to put a practical sense on that, you know, like when I started out as a f- photographer, I hated doing portraiture. And as a commercial photographer, that's pretty much all you do. So now I, I love it. But when I started, I got so hung up on having the technical rules right you know, so having it lit properly, you know, two lights, you know, one from the back, one from the front, <laughs> the reflector at the front. Right on the third. Yeah, exactly. Like everything perfect. And then you'd look at my photos and the person was so uncomfortable and didn't want to be there. So eventually I learnt, well, fuck it. You know, like I'm going to put all my time in the human interaction and making that person who doesn't want to be there comfortable and make it their expression and their their body language and everything, you know, the best that I can do for my photo. And the technical stuff, cool. I, I might, if I get 80%, great. If I get 70%, great. It's not, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore because 
when I look at a photo and I look at someone's face and you can tell that they're engaged with the photo, that's what is great for me. And that's my journey as a creative, uh, you know, from the start to, to now. Uh, that's one thing that I've really worked on uh, and that's where, why, you know, I said learn the rules and break them because, you know, now I'm breaking them every time I shoot. Oh, I probably shouldn't put that there or you know, something's happening wrong or the lighting's wrong, but really it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm creating a, a beautiful photo. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think um, uh, as well, like what's fascinating and, and I don't know for you, Matt, is I think what's cool about business is it is a creative endeavor. Um, but the challenge is when you go and, hey, I think you'd be able to relate to this and probably even Matt as well is like, when you're a photographer or a creative, you almost get this kind of instant gratification. When you create something, um, you can see the outcome of it pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, I had a massive struggle with going from business because business is creative, but it's a longer term kind of like to see the impacts of your creativity is like sometimes years before you actually come to fruition. Whereas like you can take a photo, I, I guess, um, hey, no, and like instantly you can kind of get that sense of gratification and that sense of like, oh, I've created something, I've captured this moment, this is amazing. But business is actually extremely creative um, and it's just a longer kind of, I guess, um, feedback loop of your um of your efforts and so you kind of got to keep that persistence and that patience element i think as well which is and coming back to understanding the the rules and keep practicing at them um and i know like matt we've had a few conversations about that in the past around um and i think that loops back to yeah the accounting piece or if you're not a creative if you're a business owner you're, you're creative if you're a um, personal trainer, you're creative. Um, if you're an accountant, you're you're creative. Um, we've all got curiosity. <laughs> only with Jacob's book, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, uh, you're only engaged by Jacob if you're creative. Um, and we're all curious. We've all got um, this sense there. It's all natural. Um, we've all got imagination. I think our imagination normally works against us rather than for us. Um, you know, it's it's tapping into that a bit more and appreciating it more, I think. Um, but I think Duncan's keynote was a good reminder to everyone and everyone in that audience who was there that we are all uh, creative no matter what. My biggest takeaway was really that and we, we do do a lot of brainstorming. We've, we've had a lot of new projects going on as a team. We do it for a client, you know, in a sense. And I realized that we are very reductive early on and we are, you know, someone throws an idea up and we do sort of critique it immediately. And I think what I, I want to try and do from, you know, as a learning from this is to try and create some systems to make sure that whatever idea that is that comes forward, we can we can explore and try and amplify that in a, in a sense before we before we cut it off. Uh, because I think that that's potentially where a lot of the gold is, and and it's something that I think we I, I'm often a yes or type situation. You know, it's a great idea, or we could do it this way. Because I'm actually just pushing my idea forward instead of theirs, but not wanting to say no. And that's just bullshit. I should just say no if I don't think it's right. But um, rather than say no immediately, I think, yep, yeah, great. How about you know? And I need to just get into that thinking of how we can make that better. And I think if we all did that as a team, yes, um, and. We'd, yeah, and yes, and instead of the no because or no but, yeah. I think would be um we'll be able to achieve a lot more in that creative space, and I think anyone could do that if they could just think about that one point, 
that one point of time and say and just just make a different decision or not you know not cut back um and cut something down immediately yeah and there's that old saying where someone says like don't judge your present against someone else's sort of like that's further down the line it was when you you bring an idea to the table it's often been through several iterations and it's got to a, like a more mature phase where someone presents a brand new idea to you it's like judging a tree versus a seed like you've got to give their idea the opportunity to to grow and blossom into its potential before you then try and put it side to side with your idea which has probably reached a lot more maturity um what was your um key takeaway uh from duncan's my biggest one was was via his definition that it's just new ways of approaching things in the workplace. So it doesn't have to be. And for us, that's just constantly having a culture of improvement. It's just going, yes, the way things we do now is good, but it could be better. And being creative is just finding the constantly finding new ways to improve this, to improve that, and not kind of going, this is where it's at now but this isn't the final evolution of that. So you can try and find some behaviors to short circuit the habits that everyone's kind of stuck yeah, in. Yeah, don't, don't let ideas and processes and programs become stagnant. Just treat them like the current or the, the present evolution. Yeah. Hato, what about yourself? Anything you would do different or change no, moving forward? No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I just, my biggest takeaway for it was language. Yeah. I think uh, that stifles uh, creativity and and and, uh, and embracing everyone uh, in that creative uh, process. I think is really big because, like you said, Matt, yeah, people are biased towards your own uh, your own idea. Yeah, I think it's good. Likewise, listen, listen, respect anyone who gives you an idea, you know, they're actually being vulnerable um, when they share that, that idea and allow it to, uh, to, to nurture. And um, the only thing I would add was uh, an interesting exercise, which is trying to bring in what they call a naive expert. So someone that doesn't really know the situation or, or who, you know, know your craft or know what you're talking about can allow you to cut through your own biases and bullshit. Um, we are so deep in our biases um, that it's just crazy. And like, as I mentioned earlier, no matter how self-aware you are, your idea is still the best idea. Um, on that note, though, look, we're all creative. Find your inner creativity. Tap into it. Break break the routine. Break the mundaneness. Create some space um, and be creative. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Peace. I forgot to add the subscribe, like, and share. Now you have. <laughs> <laughs>